episode 11 of the final frame is here. Brett Maloney and Dan Gardella are back. Dan's vaccinated now. Kid's rocking out, living his best life. I'm getting there. I'm still in a 90-day window, but we're happy to be back. I mean, we went through the whole March Madness tournament, Dan. Baseball season's now here. Like, things are cooking up. Sports world's getting back. We've seen the Rangers have 100% capacity in their stadium. It might have looked weird, but it looked great at the same time. Like, how you feeling, man? Like, after the vaccine, everything you've seen on TV, like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean the the side effects certainly are real. I can I can tell you that from experience. But I mean, baseball fever was a side effect, I guess, if you want to call it like sport. Like, even though March Madness is done, and and you know that that's obviously a big part of what we talk about. But I mean, baseball in a way, it's kind of a rebirth with fans being back in for the first time in a year and a half and being able to have actual crowd noise coming from I was gonna the crowd. Say, and I, I was going to say real crowd noise is a thing nowadays. And not, not having it blared out across all the speakers at the stadium. But, yeah, I mean, it's been great. And I, I've, I've really watched a lot of baseball in the early going, which I usually do anyway, but I think it's maybe a little more so than maybe what I would have done, you know, last year or maybe a couple years before that. But, but it's been fun to watch. I mean, lots of great storylines across the league, so – we can get into it. We can get into it, whatever. There's so much to talk about. I could fill up the entire show if we wanted to. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great to see the game back with fans in the stands. I mean, even with the dead and balls, we're still seeing some great some great play. But yeah, we'll start we'll start on the March Madness front. So we went through the whole tourney last time we talked. We previewed it. We did everything. We both ended up coming away with Illinois as our national champions against Gonzaga. So we did go one for two, but Illinois didn't even make it to the second round. So, I mean, hey, like on the bright spot, I my bold prediction for the tourney came true. I told you Luke, Luca Garza wasn't going to make it to the second weekend. I mean, that, that happened. Yours didn't. Patrick Ewing went bouncing real quick. Yeah, by uh, by second weekend, I guess I should have meant lost by twenty five. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess that that could have gotten lost in translation. Yeah, that that was not one of my finer picks, but uh, yeah, I Colorado. Had, just, we both they couldn't, they we couldn't both mess. Had stuff like that. Yeah, Illinois losing was a tough uh, tough pill to swallow for the both of us. But they might, my my Orangemen made a little run, a little Sweet Sixteen action. But hey, man. Hats off to Baylor, dude. They got better as the tourney went on. I was not expecting them to just beat the doors off Gonzaga. Like, that game, we watched it together, and, like, all, just from the jump, dude, like, it was, what, like, 9 nothing right away, and we were just like, well, this is not what I asked for. Yeah, I think it was it was 9 nothing, like, 11-2, and, I mean, right in the beginning of that, that's, that's when Jalen Suggs picked up his second foul early in the game. And I think at that point, me and you looked at each other, and we thought – like this is already a deciding factor. If Gonzaga hangs around while he's in foul trouble, like they're going to be okay. But that wasn't the case. The Baylor just kept building on and a Gonzaga team, which led the country in scoring and never throughout the entire season had a hiccup offensively, all of a sudden could not score the basketball when he needed to the most. And then, you know, it, while it seemed like, Oh, it was a 10 point half halftime deficit for them. You really never felt that confident that they were going to come back, which is something they that got it. we they got it to we, like eight. And we were, I was like, Oh, like, here we go. Like 
get one more stop, you hit a three, it's five, and there's a whole different change. And then, boom, it was back to 17. I was like, damn. Yeah, and I mean, like, we were they were in this exact same situation in the conference championship game against BYU. They were down, I think it was either 12 or 13. It was their largest deficit of the season, and all the, and they came back and they won handily. So I think a lot of people were thinking that was going to be a similar thing, but BYU and Baylor are not the same kind of team. So, you know, they got away with it once, but getting away with it twice, let alone on the biggest stage of college basketball – probably deserve that yeah i mean hey davion mitchell and jared butler man like solidified themselves as top 20 picks throughout the tournament davion's probably going to go in the lottery now dude's best on-ball defender in the country won that award going away like just provided fits throughout the tournament butler like struggled in the first weekend of the tourney and then completely turned it around Sweet 16 on, showed why he was a first-team All-American. Like, they just had everything going. Macy Oteague was filthy in the championship game. And, like, it was just, like, a weird matchup for Gonzaga because, like, they Baylor just just put Drew Timmy in pick and roll after pick and roll, and he just had no answer for it. And then they tried to fall back into a 2-3 zone, and he wouldn't – he just simply wouldn't go out and guard Macy at – the foul line and the guy was just drill like he had seven straight points just drilling free throw jumpers and a three like so I don't like I'm not gonna take anything away from Gonzaga like yeah the conversation will always come up should they join the Pac-12 the West Coast Conference doesn't challenge them enough but like they played Virginia they played Iowa they played Kansas they played Auburn they played good teams it's just Baylor I think was just even more battle tested because Gonzaga hadn't fa- think who they faced in the tournament in the tourney. They played a 16 seed played Oklahoma. Then they played Creighton USC, a six seed in the elite eight who everyone thought was going to be the biggest challenge. And they beat them handily. Then they run into the team of the tourney in UCLA who we'll talk about. And that, I mean, yeah, everyone saw Suggs a shot. Like, that was just absolutely incredible. But, like, that was, like, the tough game. And it was, like, that. I don't think they had anything left, dude, come Monday night. Like, they had to use it all to just get by UCLA. Yeah, I think that was a part of it. But, I mean, like, listen, like, that's – it's not, like, a I, – I mean, it's not an excuse. I mean, obviously, it was a big game and everything. But, I mean – Baylor kind of handled their business and regrouped. Obviously, it wasn't as close of a game, but, like, you got to find a way to, to regroup. Mm-hmm. And, listen, like, obviously, this was one of the better teams in college basketball we've seen in recent years. I mean, a lot of people related to, uh, you know, this was similar to, like, the Kentucky team in 2015 that had nine players go to the NBA. Not exactly the same amount, like, talent-wise, but just the way that they played. And, obviously, the, the success rate that they – that they had throughout the season was, was similar, mm-hmm. but for me personally, and I think I said it when we watched the game until Gonzaga moves to a conference, like the PAC 12, they're not going to get respect from people. Like I understand they played Iowa, they played Virginia. Um, you know, they played a couple other tough teams. Like they certainly earned the respect and quieted the conversation of, well, they don't play anybody good. This is why they have such a good winning percentage. Like they, they kind of handled that this year, but 
like once it got to conference play, nobody talked about them because it was, you know, they were 15 point favorite at least in every single game they played. So they need to go somewhere where it's more consistent competition throughout the year. Not just, Oh, we played, you know, three good teams and we beat them all. Like, like teams, as we saw this year, teams rise and fall in consistency throughout the year. They haven't really had to worry about that. Cause even if they play their worst game, they can still get away with it in the West coast conference. They got to move to the PAC 12 if they want full respect from people across the country. No. Yeah. I get what you mean. But yeah, I mean, end of the day in that, like, just as we said, like hats off to Baylor. Scott Drew spoke it into existence 18 years ago. And like, honestly, like credit, credit to Baylor too, for like keeping the dude around. He had a terrible record, like the first three years. And like nowadays, like you think now if he's running that power five school, he has a record like that after three years, like there's a high chance he gets canned. Yeah, dude. I mean, different back then. So like, it didn't matter. Yeah. A lot obviously college basketball changes so frequently now and the, the leash is low for these power five schools. And it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't show results or at least signs of progression, you're just not going to be around very long. And we've seen that this year, not so much last year because of the pandemic, but just probably in the past decade, we've seen the leash get progressively shorter on coaches and teams. So yeah, like you said, if he doesn't, if he, if he has his first three years, Within the past fifth, maybe 10, 15 years, yeah, he's, he doesn't stick around. But obviously being there on the earlier side, you also have to remember when he got hired, that they were coming off of that um, uh, that like murder scandal. Do you remember that the back in 2003 where like one of their players disappeared? Like he was hired after that. So yeah. in a way, it was like the bar couldn't really get any lower for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that probably benefited him a little in the early stages. But you remember in 2010, he was, you know, he lost to Duke in the Elite Eight. Like, he had sniffed the Final Four a handful yeah, of no, times. Yeah, he had been, like, he. it's not like he was, like, a first-round exit not making the tourney. He's he, he's consistently put them in the tourney, gotten a Sweet 16s, gotten a Elite Eight, just could never get over that hump to the Final Four. And then now he has, like, his best team that he's ever had, and it finally happened. Yeah, I mean, and like that's that's the thing. I think the biggest question mark that people maybe stayed away from them when picking who was going to win the national championship was because after their COVID pause, they just did not look, at least defensively, they did not look the same that they looked pre-COVID. And they open up post-COVID facing Kansas, and they did not look good. Obviously, fresh off of a two-week pause, it's going to be tough for anybody. But, I mean, they just did not look the part of a number one seed that had the potential of winning a championship early on and then in the tournament like you said first two rounds didn't look the greatest and then they just flipped some kind of switch and just dominated the rest of the way and I mean like I say that wholeheartedly like you look at that championship game nobody would have thought that this game would have been as big a a differential as it was and like that just says something about what what Baylor was able to do to Gonzaga to throw him off the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let's move away from just them too, and we're gonna let's talk about the the surprising teams of the tourney because I mean, obviously, you come away every year with teams make these runs who like you don't expect. So obviously, the two that come to mind is UCLA from the first four to the final four, and then Oral Roberts. I mean, you and I watched the Oral Roberts Ohio State game together, and 
yeah, we had Ohio State winning the game, but in that state where you're watching March Madness, you just become an absolute diehard Oral Roberts fan and you're wanting them to win. And as you say, man, I got these texts every time we're watching a game. It's feed me the chaos, feed me the chaos. And you, I, I would say you got the chaos, pal. Yeah, I think I think my hunger for chaos was very well filled in this tournament. And I mean, yeah, like obviously like I had Ohio State in the final four and obviously having one of your final four teams lose in the first round, uh, let alone an upset of that fashion. You know, for maybe the first second or two after they lost, I was upset and mad at how this team let me down and how it was going to impact my bracket. And then after that, I thought like, at this point in time last year, we were sitting around watching reruns of random, you know, college basketball games. Like this is something that we didn't even get last year. So like, who am I to complain about this kind of thing? And then little did we know that UCLA would make the run that did uh, that they would do Abilene Christian beating Texas, um, uh, you know, like Ohio, like being able to, to take down Virginia. Like there were so many that one though. We did call that one, and I, I am I'm proud to, to announce <laughs> that one. But uh, like I didn't I didn't obviously I didn't call Abilene Christian. Oh, no. I thought Michigan State was going to beat UCLA in the first so four, so um, and I only had them going into the second round, uh, and then losing to what would have been Texas. Um, but yeah, like it was it was a great tournament. I think a lot of people thought like, oh, higher seeds, teams we don't want to see, like it's going to bring down the ratings, like. I was pretty locked in from the beginning of the tournament to the end for the most part. Um, and I mean, the championship game kind of was a letdown, but at the same time, like if you're a true college basketball fan, you could appreciate what Bailey was able to do. Yeah. I think, I mean, after the first weekend, Hughes had the highest rated game. That game versus West Virginia was like, I forget how many like million viewers they had, but like it was a crazy amount of viewers that they had in that game. And then, like, the tournament, too, is just, like, it's such a great way to, like, put your name out on the national stage. Like, think about, like, talking about cues. Like, think about what Buddy did. The guy guy averaged, like, 25 points a night, put his name on the national stage into, like, the draft conversation. But, I mean, obviously, he's not going. Like, he's coming back for his senior year. But him, Juzang at UCLA lit up the tournament day in, day out. Amos at Oral Roberts has put himself in draft consideration. Like the guy was the leading scorer in NCAA and no one had any idea who he was comes into the tournament and puts up 33 on Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, and that's like, that's the thing that we see every year. Like Johnny Juzang made himself a lot of money this tournament. Like, and to be honest, I was him. He goes from somebody who. If I was him, I'd come back. I mean, it's, it's so like, it's such a fork in the road. Like obviously like where they have him now. And I think he's maybe late first round. I, I haven't really, I had like single out or tried to look for his name specifically, but I mean, you take, you know, late first round or bet on yourself, come back, have another great year, maybe get your, your name a little higher in, in the draft boards. It's such a tough decision that, you know, like, when you have the possibility of, I mean, a late first round pick is maybe like $2 million, $3 million a year for, you know, your, your rookie contract. Like if that money's waved in front of you, like that's tough to pass up. Oh yeah. I get, I get what you mean in that sense. 
it, yeah, you could, you could bet on yourself and hope you have another great year and his stock could potentially never be higher than it is right now after seeing what he did in the tournament. But then it like comes to the sense where you kind of, he kind of might look at what Baylor did. Like those guys could have left last year, dude. And they all said, no, we want to come back and win. UCLA is going to bring back every single player on that team. He's like the one guy with the NBA aspirations on that team. And he could look at it and say, damn, like if I come back, we bring in a five-star here, like, dude, like we could, we could really run this thing. And we've already seen like the way, way, way too early top 25s. People got them at like number two in the country. So you can't really get much higher than that. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing that I think is probably that would influence him to come back is uh, the 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 uh, likeness and image. Um, you know that that's something that I know that they're putting in California. I think probably before this next school year. Um, so like a guy like him, you know, he certainly can make a, a a nice pocket full of money from any endorsements or anything, especially based off of what he did, you know, this March. And yeah, I mean, you add in the fact that they are going to be a team that has the potential to be right back in the final four next year. If they bring all the talent back, like you say, but I just think it's so tough. Like if I'm in this situation and I see like professional, like you can be a first rounder, uh, you know, the money that comes with it and like other things, man, that's just tough. Cause like you want to get there eventually. And you, like you said, this may be the highest he's ever uh, the highest his stock ever will be. So like, you got to make that decision on your own, even when you don't know if it is as high as it could go, you know? No. Yeah. I totally, I, I totally understand that. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough call, but I mean, it's that it all kind of just comes down to him, but like, I don't think we can discredit the the job that Mick Cronin did with that team. Like they, as we said at the start, like they were in the first four, they had lost four in a row going into the tournament. There was a lot of people who didn't even think they should have made the tournament for the way they were playing. Like they were at their lowest of lows and he just got them to flip a switch Juzang took his game to a new level. Tiger Campbell was great. Bernard was good. Jaime Hawkins was fantastic at points. And then you got good play from Cody Riley down low. And people forget going into the year, their best player was labeled as Chris Smith, and the guy got hurt in his first game of the year and missed the whole entire season. So bring him back. Dude, like, they are dangerous. Yeah, um... I mean, like that, that's the thing. Like if you bring everybody back, like we've seen based on recent, you know, track record teams like that usually don't underwhelm, you know, like they usually meet the expectations, maybe not necessarily the championship aspirations, but certainly the, the results in terms of like having a great season, being able to make a second weekend in the tournament, like, those sort of things usually happen for teams like that. And then you take into account a guy, a team that's coached by someone like Mick Cronin, who, you know, finally I think is starting to get a little bit more credit. Cause I think when people saw the, the hiring of him at UCLA, they thought it was a, he was a bit over his, in over his head, uh, not able to do a good job, not able to continue the tradition of UCLA and the success that comes with it. Like in year two, he got into a final four. That's, you can't really name too many coaches at going to different programs that can do that. So, you know, whether they had an easy path or not, like you got to give them credit and they took care of business when they had to. And, 
you know, like you said, if Juzang comes back, they're un without a doubt, they're a top five team in the country entering next season. Totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Uh, before, before we're going to, we're going to look at a mock draft now that the tourney's over for the NBA, but before we do that, I, we're not going to talk about like players. I just, we got to talk about the transfer portal, dude. It, it like, what, what are your like thoughts on it? Because like, yes, everyone now free transfer, you don't have to sit out anything. You can play right away, but like, it's kind of getting to a point. There's too many guys in it. Like it's basically, you don't play, you're out. Like no one sits around, waits, develops with the program. If you're not playing, you're gone. Yeah, man. It's, it's, there's two sides to it. And I mean, like, obviously, you know, there's the side that it's like, you know, a coach gets a new job or gets fired. And, you yeah. Know, and then that side, I have no problem with. Like, even if you sign like your letter of intent, like, say someone signed their letter of intent to Texas. Shaka Smart leaves and goes to Marquette. You specifically signed to play for Shaka. He ain't there. You should have the opportunity, yes, to like reopen your commitment at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just the people that that you know played sparingly at one school and are just moving up because they are moving somewhere else because they got the different they got the free opportunity to do it. Like, I understand it. Like, you got to do what's best for you. But I mean, we have like thirteen hundred names in this portal. You know, that's, it's borderline ridiculous. Like, like I, I have a feeling there's going to be a point in time. There's going to be something that happens where, you know, with the freshmen coming in and whatever, some of these guys aren't going to have an opportunity to pick where they want to go. They're just going to have to find what's available and then just go to one of those programs. Like there's so many moving parts now that if you don't keep track of it, or you don't figure out where you want to go or who has interest in you early, you're not getting a spot that's going to play meaningful minutes. Like if, if I'm in this portal, I'm making my decision first. So I know I have a spot somewhere and I know which teams are interested in me so I can make a decision, not wait until the very end to try and get any leverage because and we've, we've kind of seen that too already. Like guys have committed to schools who they originally built relationships with in high school during their original, like recruiting process. So like they kind of feel comfortable already with these coaches and like had built a relationship with them rather than these guys just looking to jump to a different conference and play and have no idea where they're going. Like someone can just end up in the middle of nowhere and have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like you think like, Oh, you know, this, I'm going to, you know, a new place could be a new opportunity. Like, you know, a lot of these kids I think are going to be, going to be sadly mistaken when they go to a new place and it's the exact same. And the only difference is, you know, you got, you got to make, you know, you got no friends there that you had in the past. Like you got to make new relationships, you know, you got to prove yourself all over again. And for some people, they just don't want to do that. They just want to like go to a place and play and like do all that. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you hope that everything works out, but at the same time, there's 1200 kids in this portal. Like, yeah that's just absurd yeah it's a lot it's a lot yeah there's two ways like there's the way that i said about like the letter of intent and then like i'm okay with the way of like someone will use the example of of jalen pickett at sienna he's too good to be at sienna sure go play somewhere else i don't have a problem with that 
But then it's just like, then it gets to like the other side of it where like you're, you're at, uh, you're wearing a Nova sweatshirt. So we'll use this as an example. You're playing at Villanova. You're the ninth guy in the rotation. You're getting nine minutes to 12 minutes a night. And you say, oh, dude, I don't want to do this. Like this sucks. So then you leave and you say, oh, I need to get a bigger, I need to get a bigger role. You go and you transfer into like the American conference and start playing at East Carolina. Like, that's just like, that's just simply because you're not playing and you're not going like, so there's just so many different aspects of it. Well, let me, okay. Well, let's, let's kind of like try and make this a little bit more real for a second. So according to verbal commits on Twitter, because they obviously are on top of all of this, which I don't know how they're possibly on top of all this at, you know, as of six hours ago, they said there was, uh, 1,280 plus names in the portal. So I just took the 1280 that they said each college program has about 13, 14 scholarships on a team. That means with just the players in the portal, you could fill 91 teams. It's absurd. And think of it. There's 356 teams in division one. Mm-hmm. And you take into account like the freshmen that are coming in, like, there's not going to be opportunities for these kids where they think they may have them. Like, it's just, you're not going to be able to, that's, that's already, there is more than a quarter of the teams you could fill just with the kids in the portal. Absurd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's just, it's, it's so many people. I don't, I just simply don't understand it, but I mean, if it works out for some, it works out for some. If it doesn't, like, I mean, hey, we both watched Last Chance You on Netflix. Like, some of them's gonna have to go the JUCO route, dude, and work their way back up. Like, it's that's just the way it is. There's not enough spots. And the thing, and the thing is, like, this. Everybody's saying, like, oh, this is, uh, you know, this is gonna the co- the transfer portal is destroying college basketball, and it's teaching kids to get up and leave, like. Once this this free transfer thing goes away, this isn't. It's not going to be like this. It's not because people have to take that into account when they're transferring, and you know, a lot of this is just like seniors that are coming back and are just using it as a grad transfer. Like that's just what it is. And obviously, the amount of seniors that are doing that this year compared to previous years, I'm sure it's sky high. Mm-hmm. So like, it's it's not going to be like this every year. It, the transfer portal is always going to be a part of college basketball, but it's not going to be a part of college basketball to this extent is what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I don't think it's ruining college basketball. I just think it's no. so amplified this year because of this rule. And I think, I think the other thing about like college basketball and like potentially like having it ruined, like you heard all this talk about the G league and how like that could potentially ruin college basketball with all these kids getting the money like a 500k just straight into your pocket at the G League. But how how many G League Ignite games did you watch? Can't say I watched a single minute of one. Exactly. How many March Madness games did you watch? Every single one. And who built their stock more than anyone in the, in the tournament? Guys playing in March Madness, Jalen Suggs, Johnny Juzang, Max Amos, like so I wouldn't say it. Yeah, it's gonna take away some kids here and there. Like it took away Jalen Green, it took away Jonathan Kaminga, and they're still gonna be top five picks. But 
it, like Jalen Suggs, dude, hit like one of the best shots that we've seen in recent memory. The guy is going to be now a, like a legend. That shot's going to be iconic in college basketball. So it's kind of, oh, do I want to go be on college and ex- be on a college campus and experience the college lifestyle for a year or go and just work out every day and play basketball and not do anything else? There's only five people who could be a top five pick every year. You know, it's like, yeah. Obviously, it worked out for Jalen for Jalen Green and Kaminga. Like, okay, but if you have like, you know, Dude, 30, look, 40 look kids at, going to G Dej- League, look at Deshaun Nix who went to the G League team as well. He was supposed to go to UCLA. The guy ain't even in the top sixty now in the draft boards. He's not even like in a mock draft. Yeah, in a way, in a way, it's kind of like, you know, with the G League, it's sort of like like being drafted in the MLB draft, being a high pick. All right. You get this fat stack of cash in the beginning, you know, like this is awesome compared to what you would be making. Like, say you're a high school senior, mm-hmm. get drafted in the first round. Like, all right, you're getting this like one point, whatever million dollar signing bonus. Like, all right, these kids are getting 500 K to go play in the G league. Now you got to prove yourself and you may have some of the resources, but you sure as hell don't have the exposure anymore. So, now you got to really hope that you make it big. Otherwise, like things make it tough for you. And that's, that's how it is with Knicks. Obviously it's not how it is with green and Kaminga because they were so well advertised, but if you have 30, 40 kids going to G league, you know, years down the road and that's how it is. A lot of those kids are probably not going to make it out of there. And they're just going to, you know, either stay in the G league or have to play overseas or whatever. But I just think the college exposure is something that's a little underrated now that there's, all these other options. And, you know, once they, once they go back to being able to come out of high school, which I'm sure they will do the way that the sport is going, you're going to have kids leaving that way too. And it's just going to once again, prove that if you play in the NCAA tournament and you play well, that speaks volumes to how your stock's going to, you know, respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking about the stocks, let's go to the mock draft. I got one up from, CBS Sports just came out yesterday. Um, obviously, it's got it's got Cade going one. I don't think it's even like an argument anymore. Mm. Dude solidified himself as the first pick in the draft. Very true. At two, at, that was to the Rockets, by the way. At two to the Pistons, it has Evan Mobley going. Sure, you can go either way at that stage. Mobley or Suggs, whichever you prefer. So three to Minnesota, they have Suggs going. Four to which Orlando. is interesting. It is Suggs, Anthony Edwards, Cat. What do you do with D'Lo? Like, I mean, if if I'm the if I'm the Timberwolves, I am shipping D'Lo out of there. I mean, the dude's been. That's what I'm saying. There, that like, I agree. I agree with that. Like, in a way, you re, in a way you reset the salary for mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, for the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Uh, four to the Magic is Jalen Green. Five to the Thunder is Kaminga. So there's the two G League guys going four and five. I don't have a problem. I think those five guys are the five names you're going to hear first. Yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty in, well. In, in terms of the order, it'll be it'll be interesting. But, I mean, like, if the Magic get Jalen Green and they're rocking Cole Anthony and Jalen Green in their backcourt for the next three years. with like, they, have, they have RJ Hampton, too, that just came over in the deadline, like, they're mm-hmm. young now. Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba's still there. Isaac will be back. Yeah, they got that's, that's, yeah. they got young bodies. 
So here we go. Now it gets interesting, right? Number six to the Wizards, Davion Mitchell. You come into the beginning of the year, that dude's not a first-round pick. He is now a top-10 guy. Mm -hmm. I like it. I don't have a problem with it. Seven to the uh, I mean, I think it's a bit high. Six, six um, might be high. I think I would take him at eight, nine. If 10. he's if he's if he's there at ten, I'd take him. Seven to the Cavs. James Booknight. Too high. <laughs> it is a little high. Eight. Like, like, listen, like Booknight's a great athlete, but like, you see that number on the far right. Dude shot yeah. under 30% from three. Like, I get he, it was a smaller sample size. He was out with the elbow. But, like, just athleticism is not going to get you anywhere in the league nowadays. Like, that's just the reality of it. Eight, eight to the Raptors. Kai Jones of Texas. That's, that's a pick where it's kind of gambling on athleticism, talent there, and not showcasing everything that you could have at Texas with the bodies that were around you. True. Nine to the magic from the Bulls after the deadline is Keon Johnson from Tennessee, who is like has the NBA build and was just like I don't even want to say like underperformed in college, but kind of he shot 27% from three. Yeah, I mean, that was I mean, Tennessee was just such a wishy washy team mm -hmm. this year, like you know, mm -hmm. uh, 10 to the Kings, they have Scotty Barnes. Uh, mm. Scotty needs like the ball in his hands, dude. And they have Fox, they have Halliburton. That's kind of that's kind of a weird fit for me. Eleven to the Pelicans, Moses Moody. I like that. They need a shooter. Just declared today. Yeah, he did. Uh, Twelve to the Pacers, Jaden Springer. I didn't know he shot forty-four percent from three. I did not either. I, like every time I watch Tennessee, they can't buy a bucket. So yeah, that's kind of surprising to me. 13-13 to the Warriors. Trey Mann out of Florida. This one's interesting because in other mock drafts, I saw him as a second-round pick. You know, like I didn't see him as a lotto pick. Yeah, he's kind of all over the place. I've seen like 15-ish. I've seen 28. I've seen second round. So it's kind of anywhere. Uh, 14 to the Spurs. Cam Thomas. Love it. You guys are walking bucket. I mean, I wonder how him and, and DeJounte would – kind of click but no yeah yeah you know. yeah it's, that's like, something that as, as as a team like the spurs you could you could work mm -hmm, that out mm -hmm. 15 to the hornets you have franz wagner yeah he he kind of struggled in the i mean he was horrible versus ucla like absolutely horrible but yeah not not the greatest <laughs> like not the way he wants to go out but i mean the dude's a six nine like small forward he'll make it and like he'll be able to play did you hold on? Did you look at this draft beforehand? No. Okay. Why is there something good or bad? Just just keep reading. All right. Uh, sixteen to the Knicks. Your Knicks, Chris Duarte, out of Oregon. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Interesting. Interesting. Athletic wing could shoot pretty well. Like. I mean, like, based on this year, it's tough to kind of really identify. Like, in previous years, everyone's like, oh, we need this. We need that. Like, you know exactly what you need. Like, I mean, you probably say a point guard. Uh -huh. So, like, you know, I don't know. Like, it's interesting to just kind of see what what is, you know, what's what. 17 Celtics. Oh, yeah. This is why. I, I to the Celtics. Sign me up. 
That's why I asked if you had looked at this oh, beforehand. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. I, I literally did not scroll down this. I just clicked the link. Oh, well, I literally scrolled down. And I said, oh, this dude definitely looked down. God, literally, no. I just, I just clicked it because it was the most recent one on my, on my feed. Interesting. That's crazy. I love that. I literally love that. Uh, where am I? 18. I'm so hyped up now. 18 <laughs> under. Isaiah Jackson, that's fine. They can take projects. 19 to the Grizzlies. Jalen Johnson. Wow, he, his stock has fallen. Oh, my God. I mean, the dude hasn't played in, you know, a couple months. You know, like you- Yeah, I mean, he quit on Duke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just uh, – yeah. Kispert at 20 to the Hawks. That's a that's I mean a, they don't that's they don't a play defense. Yeah, that's a fit for him. 21 to the Knicks, Zaire Williams. I think you'll like that one. I listen, I've seen my fair share of athletic forwards. Like I need shooters. I need shooters. <laughs> 22 to the Lakers, Josh Giddy out of Australia. Sure. I mean, I haven't really seen much on him yet, but it says he's one of the fast rising international prospects. So Sure, we'll we'll take their word for it. Here we go. 23 to the Rockets, Johnny Juzang. Stock rising. NCAA tournament man does wonders. And I will and I will say I think this year is like it's one of the stronger classes in recent memory. Yeah, um, no, this class is deep. So I would say so I would say like for Juzang's sake if he came back, he probably not sure if his stock would go any higher, but I just think because of the the pool of players that would be going in you know, like he would just go up because, you know, of what he has done, obviously what he did this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 24, the Rockets also have their third pick. Take a guy out of Spain named Yuzman Gerba. I hope I pronounced that right. Garuba, maybe? Garuba, I Gerba, I don't know. Sure. 25 to the Nuggets, Jared Butler. So there's the second Baylor guy. I like that. 26 to the Clippers is... Uh, hold on, my phone is bugging out. Uh, Sharif Cooper. Sharif Cooper, like it. Like it a lot. They need a point guard like that that will pass the ball. Uh, 27 to the Sixers, De'Ron Sharp. They need a uh, – he's, like, not the type of big that they need. They, they need more of a stretch big than another, like, down low type of guy. Yeah, they need like shooters. Embiid, Embiid's the download guy. If like you can offset Embiid with like a big man who can shoot the ball, that's much better fitting. Mm-hmm. 28 to the Nets, Greg Brown. I like that. They need a guy who's just athleticism is through the roof. And Greg, dude, like Greg Brown's a weird, like a weird dude. I watched a lot of Texas games this year and like he's got a nice shot. It kind of just like didn't fall and it's like a work in progress, but we've seen the poster dunks he puts on people. Like That's real athleticism. Mm-hmm. 29 to the Suns, Jay Guap, Josh Christopher. Love it. Stay in Arizona. And around this out to the Jazz at 30, BJ Boston out of Kentucky. Now talk about like stock dropping. Mans was projected like seventh at the beginning of the year, and he's falling all the way to 30 just because Kentucky was bad. He was supposed to be the best player. He was he was bad. But like in that sense, dude, like Utah is a perfect place to go. They're gonna, they're gonna f- slowly work you in, get you acclimated with everything that's going on, and I mean, they just run like a beautiful brand of basketball. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a 
ball dominant in terms of like needing players to kind of ISO ball. Like it's, it's a, it is a team first thing that Quinn Snyder runs. So mm-hmm. no, I think it's, I think that would be, a, I, it's a great spot for anybody because it doesn't matter what your play style is. Like it fits. Like if you're mm-hmm. an ISO guy, all right, we'll just mold you to move without the ball and kind of work at that. You're a shooter. Great. You could be a catch and shoot guy and you'll benefit a lot from this kind of offense. Like that's the kind of offense that you can easily mold anybody into. And look, like you don't have to, you don't have to go in there and worry about being a star. Just do your thing. Like they have Donnie, who's only 24 years old. He's going to do his thing. And so like, then you have a guy like Rudy, who's going to grab every board. I mean, they're probably going to re-sign Conley. So like, you can just kind of go in there and slowly work your way into the rotation. And then when your time comes, boom, like you're good. It's going to feel, Mike Conley's going to feel like a bargain to the Jazz, given what his contract is now. Oh, yeah, totally. And, I mean, it's it's going to perfectly pan out because they're going to start paying Donnie big money next year and Rudy big money. So his falls off a little and you're chilling. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be what, like in the teens? I'm sure. I'm sure he'll take, especially now that he, like he's come out and say that like he loves Utah and like loves the, the way they play, obviously, and just like, the whole organization, I'm sure he'll take a cut. Like the guy got his money. He doesn't need to worry about yeah. that. So he'll take a pay cut to help the team out in that sense. I got to see what, what his career earnings is. It's probably pretty substantial. Cause like that deal with that he had, it was like a lot. Like it was like, a I don't want to say it was a max deal, but like it was probably pretty close to it. Uh, I got to see. How much do you think he's made? He's played 14 seasons. Um, well, he signed like a $150 million contract. So I'll say, I'll say 175 to 180 mil. 14 seasons. He's made $205 million. Wow. 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 He's, so his, his, I guess his base contract as a rookie was three mil, 3.3, 3.6, 3.8, 4.9, 5.3. And then I guess he signed like another, yeah, he signed a small like a like a like a gap deal before the big one. Yeah, so he signed like a four year one where it was it went seven point three, eight, eight point six, nine point three. Then it ballooned to twenty six five, twenty eight five, thirty five, thirty four, thirty four point five. Yeah, it's like he slowly just grabbed so much money without a career like, all appearance until this year. And I mean he was a replacement, he wasn't you know, he yeah. wasn't voted in, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just crazy. You know, 200, like, what do you even do with that money? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I could know. only dream. I, I could literally I could only tell. dream, but Hey, let's, let's move away from hoop. Let's move away from hoop. I mean, you said it at the start, part of your symptoms from the vaccine was baseball fever. So like we can, we can we can pre MLB's only like teams have only played six games. Everything can change six seven games, so we'll still preview the whole season. But I so far, we've seen a brawl. We've seen walk off. I'm not really a brawl, but we've seen a scuffle. We've seen walk offs. No, there was. I, I mean, brawls nowadays are pretty much what we've seen. Like we're not going to see the old fist throwing that much anymore. But I mean, with with what happened with the Reds. And and Nick Castellanos, which was the softest suspension ever, and uh, and with the Cubs and who was it Brewers? Yeah, I think that's yeah. who it was when they when they hit Wilson Contreras. Like 
you know, those are the ones that get the blood pumping, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. How you, how you want to, how you want to work the MLB sense? Just go right into season long stuff. We could do that. Yeah. I mean, or, obviously, I mean, like you we said, could, we, we got a little, the Northeast following. So Sox yeah. go and three to start the year. Look like absolute dog and just sucked. Couldn't even muster a five runs dude against the Orioles. And then we come back this week and we've won four in a row. Yeah. And I mean, like one, like yesterday being against the same Oriole group that, you know, uh, that they lost three straight to begin the season. I don't know, man. Like their pitching is not bad so far. Like, no, that's the thing. That's like, that was like the biggest question mark coming in. And other than Garrett Richards, horrible start on Easter, like they've been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, and like the thing with, and like you said, it's still very, very early. So like things could turn quickly, but I mean, with, with, Valdi doing well. Erod had a pretty solid start uh, yesterday. Um, I mean, Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen. Like this dude is, you know, this dude's underrated. And then I personally thought, I know the Red Sox are messing with with, uh, you know, with service time, but Tanner House got to be back up like very soon. Like I need this dude back up. Yeah, nah, he he's he did. He looks like a clone of. Uh sail from the right side the way he throws that slider have you seen that video that like he mirrored he like switched it yeah 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 his house like arm angle is like it's like a, a carbon copy his arm angle is like a tad bit higher than sales but like it still looks the same and like they said on the broadcast his first start like his his um his slider like movement is like 14 inches like side to side like that's crazy that's on that's just unheard of but yeah i mean like him Avaldi did pretty decent for his first two starts i mean that alone is just really good the other night too yeah i mean he was great on opening day and 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 you know he was good like you said the other day um against tampa yeah because and he got a lot of run support and that's the other thing i mean the offense has been kind of getting a little bit more more in stride. And that was the reason people were picking the Red Sox to be like a mid-80s winning team, you know, solely because of the offense that they have. Like, their offense has never been bad. It's just that their pitching has been so awful that they've been kind of crossed off because, you know, you can score 10 runs a game, but if you give up 11, you're going to lose every single time. So, um, you know, obviously it's still early. Like, four and three is good. But still, still plenty of baseball to go. Yeah, I mean, we're playing a full 162 this year. It's not like it's a 60 gamer that we had last year where the Sox are now like four and three. You're like, oh, damn, I only have 50 games left. Yeah, that, that's one thing. I mean, can we talk about JD too? Like seven straight tear. games with an extra base hit? He's going to tear. It like, it's it's honestly really great to see like he had such a poor year last year. He hit what like 213, 211, something like that. Yeah, he was in he was in the low twos and like his oh. power just wasn't there. Um I would like to personally thank him for that because I took him 125th overall in fantasy oh. and he's uh he's probably been uh one of my better hitters. I, my DH spot in my fantasy is probably the best of all time. I have I have JD and Nelly Cruz like <laughs> 
it's just extra base hit city. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could thank I could thank people for like Mets fandom that I got. I ended up getting Mookie out of a fantasy trade, so that's pretty great. That's that's fair too. That is a very fair assessment. But I mean, across the league, like, it, like you said, it's still early to tell. But I mean, like the the buzz around the Mets is real. The Phillies are off to a solid start. The Braves were struggling in the beginning. Um, Reds have been mashing the ball. Yeah, Reds haven't stopped hitting. Yeah, I Dodgers, mean, like Dodgers, like, like they're they're gonna do their thing. Padres, I mean, Tatis got hurt, which kind of sucks, but he said that he's only gonna miss the ten days. It's it's, I don't know. It's very it's very like worrisome. Like yeah, you're no, gonna like Padres fans are gonna be walking on pins and needles the entire time, like he's out there because, especially given it's not gonna be a surgical procedure, like one wrong move and he could absolutely destroy that shoulder it's his throwing shoulder isn't it uh no no because it's his front he's a righty it's his front it wasn't in his front shoulder or was so, it yes so i think it was his front shoulder so yeah, yeah it would be no, his it's left his, it's, so. his, it's his glove hand which i guess is all right but i mean like you're gonna be fans are gonna be walking on pins and needles every time he plays then mm-hmm. like and obviously the huge debate when he signed the extension was well, he hasn't played a full 162 yet, like all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, if you're the Padres, you have to get that done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go into division by division predictions. We'll start We'll start on the AL. We'll go one to five. So, like, who wins it? And then so on and so forth down. AL East, um, pains me to say, but I'm going to put the Yankees at one. I think I think they'll end up winning that division. I'm actually I'm actually gonna put the Sox at two. Like they got I'm really I'm really high on it. They're kind of under the radar, like low key, but I love I think the offense is gonna come around better and better each month. Like as the as it gets warmer in the northeast, the ball's gonna continue to fly. And I mean we got some power hitters. At three, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna put the Blue Jays at three. We didn't even talk about them, but like they made their offseason moves. They've been they've been kind of flying low. Four, I'm gonna have the Rays just because I don't trust that offense. Like I, I don't know what I'm gonna get out of Meadows on a nightly basis. A Rosarina had that great playoff run, but people have now started to slowly figure out what he can and can't do on the at the plate. Lau's pretty good, but like other than that, and they lost Snell. Like yeah, you signed Walker, you signed Chris Archer, you signed Rich Hill, but like, is that really gonna? add up to what Blake Snell brought you and what Charlie Morton did. So it's like, it's kind of concerning to me. And then obviously the Orioles will be at five. Yeah. I'm going to say the only thing I would switch would be the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays, I think they'll put it together again. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously those young guys are another year older, you know, this, you have to, we have to think that George Springer, once he comes into that lineup, it's going to make it even more dangerous. Um, the pitching is, you know, it's nothing great, but based on what they did last year, I think they, they can, this is the opportunity for them to build off of it. Um, and even if it is like another wild card spot, I think if it just would help them, I'm not saying the Red Sox are going to be bad. I think that they will still probably be like a mid eighties winning team. Um, but it's just going to come down to the wire. Like it could be a one, two wild card spot. Like it, it, it could be that, like, we don't really know. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the Rays, Personally, I think the analytics just get to them this year. Like, 
running your team based on analytics just does not help. And we saw that obviously with cash taking out Snell early in was a game six, um, you know, yeah, like, that's... like, I just, I don't know. Like you said, I don't, I'm not high on that, on that offense, the pitching, like who's there, like, who's there, like glass now is going to be like a breakout guy. He could be a Cy Young candidate. But at the same time, if you're basing off analytics, how many things is he going to go max? Like, are we going to see him throw a complete game shutout? Are we going to see him throw a complete, a complete game period based on the way that, he, you know, they run that organization? I don't know. And if he doesn't have – he's going to, you know, he may be uh, a few, a few like maybe like 20 innings, 30 innings lower because he gets taken out in the sixth inning every game. Like, I just don't see that being a – proper way to run a team and win consistently mm-hmm. and then obviously the orioles at five yeah but i mean listen from watching them like they got some dudes that are pretty like i think ryan mountcastle is going to be really good obviously like you know like once adley comes up probably next year the end of this year um john means is underrated i think you don't uh, like the socks yeah i mean obviously it was based on one start but the dude i mean she's yeah. retired 18 straight or 19 straight or whatever it was. Um, like I, I think he's going to be like the, the nice, like ace of that rotation. I mean, the rest of it's just God awful, but like they have like DJ hall in their farm system. Like they got guys that you, you kind of build the foundation now. And then when they come up, all right, ready to win. Like you mm-hmm. can do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Over to the AL central. I'm going to pick the all white right. Sox. To, I'm going to pick the white Sox to win it. Really, uh, even without Eloy. Yeah, yeah. I, the offense is still there, even like without him. I, the pitching staff's underrated. I like, I like Giolito. Keuchel's nice. Um, they're they got the secret weapon, Kopech, whatever the hell they want to do with him. Bullpen, every guy in that bullpen throws ninety-eight with movement. So I'll put them at one. At two, I'll put the Twins. Uh, three, I'm gonna put the Royals. Four, I'm going to go with the Tigers and five, the Indians, dude. The Indians simply can't hit the baseball. Like, yeah, I feel, I feel terrible for Bieber. I feel terrible for Jose Ramirez. Bieber's going to get no run support. Ramirez has no help in that lineup. He's they, been hitting well to start though. Yeah, but they, they just simply like, no one can like string together hits. So I, I think it's going to be a long year, dude, in Cleveland. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Twins one, White Sox two. I think. I think it's gonna be very close though, and I think Eloy's absence, at least until you know early September, whenever they think he could come back. Um, Twins one, White Sox two. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna say Royals three. I think that offense is sneaky good. It is sneaky good. Their pitching is not great, but the it's the young. hitting will. Yeah, it is very young. Um, and the pitching, will, the the hitting, I think, will make up for it at times. Yeah, I'm gonna put the Tigers at. I'm gonna put the Tigers four. I'll do the Indians five. Um, I think the Tigers are probably. If I had to guess, they're probably gonna be my bold prediction. I think they finish with seventy to seventy five wins. I like that. No, yeah, their offense is pretty good too. Like they don't have any household names yet, at least. But they got guys who can pitch. They got guys who can swing it. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't even know what they finished last year, but I think they won, like, 56 games the, the year before that. Like, 
this is a team that I think can maybe get to like 75 wins and be like a team that's like, okay, like you're going to get Mize back up eventually. You're going to get oh, – He's in the um, rotation trying to think who else is up there. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. So he is. Well, I, I, there's been so many like pitchers, this pitchers from last year that came up and are not up now, like Tanner Houck, Spencer Howard. Um, trying to think of who else, like he smiles was one of those guys that came up last year. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know he was up. To be honest. I, haven't, I haven't really watched much yeah. Tigers baseball. They drafted Torkelson. Yeah. Last like you got Torkelson, Riley greens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they got a lot. No, like, they got a really Riley green. Like, like I said, yeah, their front yeah. is deep loaded. They got everything. Uh, where am I? AL West. I'm going to go. Oof. I'm going to go Astros at one. Angels at two. A's three. Mariners four. Rangers five. I think, I think this is the year. It probably is not going to happen, but I'm going to say this is the year that the Angels get into the playoffs as a wild card. I so want to pick the Angels to win the division, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, there's so much hype around that team, and I love it ever. Like, I'm eating it up, but I just think the way that the Astros have come out this year and, like, slugged, like, their pitching's still pretty solid. Like, I would say, yeah, Houston won, Angels two. Yeah, I'm going to say the A's three, even though they're off to a bad start. I'll figure it out. I'll say Mariners four because I think Kelnick's coming up this year and, like, they're mm-hmm. going to have a couple other good pieces up this year and then Rangers five. All right, so we have the Yankees winning. You have the Twins, I have the White Sox, and we have the Astros. So who would be your two wild cards out of the AL? Um, I would probably say – Hmm. I'm going to say the Angels and the Blue Jays. I'm also going to go the Angels, but I'm going to take the Sox because I have them at two. Yeah, you do. You do. I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to be like the Red Sox into the playoffs. (laughs) You're very optimistic. No, I I just think it's going to it's going to be close, though. Like it's going to be very close to see. Like oh yeah, I think I think the like, Red Sox will be playing competitive baseball in September. I will. Say I that. think the Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays—they'll all be right there. The Twins, Angels, and A's—like all of those teams are going to be fighting for those two wild card spots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. For me, like instead of Twins for you, it's White Sox for me. But yeah, this uh, the mm-hmm. I echo the same the mm-hmm. same thing. All right, so NL NL East probably the most competitive division in the MLB. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Braves at one, Mets two, Nationals three, Phillies four, Marlins five. I know the Phillies are hot, but it kind of seems like it always ends up that way. They're hot, and then they just get ice cold, and then they're trying. They, like, fight back, and they can never actually, like, get to the place they need to be. I'm going to say I'm going to say Braves one, Phillies two, Mets three, Nats four, Marlins five. Interesting. I think, I I think buy too much into the, into the Nats rotation to put them that low. That's why for me. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously like we haven't seen them at full strength either. So like mine could be like, my prediction could be extremely premature because like we haven't seen the full product yet, but I mean like watching the Phillies, like their bullpen was one of their biggest 
I mean, they were historically bad last year. And I mean, if you take, I mean, if that bullpen is relatively decent, like they have a chance to make the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. So now that they upgraded, I mean, like, listen, when you bring in like Jose Alvarado, who is like bad control rides, but like when he's good, like he is, you can't hit his pitches. Archie Bradley's pretty solid in there as well. Like their rotation is kind of coming along like Nola. They got him like locked up. Wheeler pitched a gem against the Braves. And I think it was the second or third day of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and then that, that, that lineup, I mean, with, with uh, like Alec Bohm coming up like last year, slugging the hell out of the ball. Like you got JT locked up now. Like th- I think this is the year that they break their slump of, uh, or their, their no, I could totally, I could totally see it. I mean, that be, that being said, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, that the the Braves and the Mets or the the Phillies and the Mets would be my two wild cards. Okay. Uh so NL Central we got. Oh geez. I'm gonna go. This is just this. I genuinely think this division is probably gonna be decided by like, like a game. Yeah, like maybe between between first and third, or first and fourth. It'll probably be like six games. Yeah, I mean I'll have the Pirates at five, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh man. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Cardinals at one. I like, mm-hmm. kinda don't want to, but I'm gonna put them at one. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the Cubs at two. That might be a little high, but I'm gonna put the Cubs at two, Brewers at three, Reds at four, Pirates five, obviously. I'm gonna say I'm going to say Reds one, Cardinals two, Brewers three, Cubs four, Pirates five. Dude's buying all the red stock right away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just think like that team's fun to watch. Like I just, I don't know. I, I, I think there's something about them. Like the pitching's like, eh, but I don't know. This is a hitters league now. You're not wrong. You're not wrong in that sense. I mean, no, Castillo's nice. Sonny Gray will be back. He's solid. Like they got they got decent arms. So it's it when it's not like far fetched to say that they're not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. And then All right, the West Dodgers. I'm gonna yeah. Dodgers. Oh yeah, I'll say Dodgers, Padres. I'll say Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants. I got Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks, Giants, Rockies. That Rockies team, dude, to me is just a disaster. Like they got, uh, who knows what they they got back for Arenado? Like it's too. Well, far. whatever it was, it wasn't enough. Yeah, story like he could want out. Like you don't really know what's going on. Black one's getting older. I can never trust pitching in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I'll put them at five. Yeah. Padres and I think it's just Padres and Dodgers, honestly, and then the rest are kind of just there. So my yeah, I, two, I, I would say I would say the Padres would be the first team out of my playoff picture. I'm putting them in. Give me the Padres in. Give me the Mets in. That's an awesome wild card game. That would be great. That's an awesome wild card game. All right, let's let's finish the league before we get into individuals. So I got what do I have? Yankees, White Sox, Astros, Red Sox, Angels. I'm going to say my 
ALCS is White Sox Yankees. And do, okay. I can't, I simply can't pick the Yankees. So give me give me the White Sox. <laughs> I think the jolt the jolt of Eloy coming back kind of pushes them over. Okay. Um I'm going to say I'm going to say Twins and Astros. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to pick the Astros, but I think I'm going to have to. Yeah. (laughs) I think I have to. Like, I I know, like, all the scrutiny and all the booing and all that, but, like, I don't know. There's just something about that team. Like, they're still good. Like, they were good before all the cheating. Like, they're they're still going to be good. They're good during the cheating. They're good after the cheating. Well, if they were good, if they're if they weren't good during the the, the cheating, <laughs> the cheating then, then they, weren't che- they weren't cheating. Yeah, they weren't cheating, right? So, um, yeah. All right. So then NL, I'm gonna say, ooh, I'm gonna say my NLCS would be the Dodgers, and I'm gonna say the Braves. I think it's a rematch. I think those I those rematch. are by far. I think they're by far the top two teams in the NL. Like we knew that the 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 Braves were, you know, a game away from the World Series. Uh, I, hope, I hope you're picking I, the Braves, man. I'm picking them. Oh, man. I don't even know, dude. Like the Dodgers, the Dodgers are freaking wagon. That rotation. I know, which is why I want to pick them. That rotation's disgusting. Bauer, Kershaw, Bueller, Uriah. Like in a, in, a, in May, a, yeah, like Price. But just yeah, just think of it like. You know, you're going to have a rotation like that. Like, you're going to have a rotation just guaranteed of Bueller, Kershaw, uh, Bauer, Price. Say you do a four-man like that. In your bullpen, you could throw in there. You could throw Dustin May. You could throw in Urias. You could throw it. Like, you could throw in probably, like, three starters in your bullpen. And we saw that last year. Like, the guy who got the last out was – it was Urias, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He pitched so, like nine. Yeah, so like Dave Roberts is not afraid when it comes to the postseason to be like, all right, like go like go pitch, give me three innings on the back half. Like see, but here's the thing, here's the thing. The Braves can now do that too. Soroka's gonna be back in the end of April. Freed, we saw what he did in the playoffs. Ian Anderson, we saw what he did in the playoffs. And then you signed Charlie Morton. Like those True. are those are awesome pitching matchups. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. The pitchy matchups are gonna be otherworldly. Like you're gonna get a you're gonna get like a game four matchup of Max Fried and Trevor Bauer or something like that, <laughs> and which is just unheard of. Yeah, that's awesome. That's literally awesome. I'm gonna I'm I'm putting the Braves in. Like, so you have Braves, White Sox, and I got Dodgers, Astros. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna say the Dodgers again. Like this, yeah, I think it's like just a, like you said just a wagon like yeah. there's no way any team's beating them i'm picking the braves to win it all dude i think last year they won one win away from going to the world series that now it's kind of they're kind of hungry soroka comes back acuna's great freeman's the reigning mvp i mean you know you know personally my my love for dansby swanson i mean the guy i love that guy he's great very true very literally true. my favorite player in the league but he's awesome i mean Albies is there. They brought back Ozuna, Darno. 
Like that lineup is deep. Yeah, the Dodgers lineup is deep too with Mookie, Cody, Muncie, Seager, Turner. Like, geez, like they, they got everyone. But I think this is the year. So let's 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 put them in there. Let's give them the World Series title. I think it'll be a good series though against the White Sox. Like their lineup's nice too. Mm-hmm. So to wrap it, I mean, we'll go we'll go through the individual awards we got. Uh, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, Manager. You don't have to uh, – Comeback Player of the Year is kind of tough to pick. So we'll go those four. Manager of the Year, I'm going to go AL-wise. I'm going to take Joe Madden if because the Angels get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. NL, I'll take – oh, jeez. Um – Wow. I might, I think I might just say Dave Roberts because the Dodgers win an absurd amount of games. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking him, dude, like, I don't even, I don't even know. I'm going to go AL. I'm going to go Charlie Montoyo. Okay. Because I, because like I said, I think the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays in. Yeah. Joe Madden would probably be a close second for me. Mm -hmm. Um, NL, I'm going to say Joe Girardi. Yeah, because you got the Phillies, and that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So those would be my two. Mm-hmm. What's um, next? Rookie of the year. AL, I'm going to go Nick Madrigal of the White Sox. I think he's probably going to hit the up upwards of 300. He might not have the power numbers, but if the dude's hitting like 320, 330, you can't really, mm-hmm. you can't really mark him down for that. I think if Kelnick comes up, he's going to be right there with it, but – Madrigal starting the year from start to finish in the in the pros is going to be big and and as you said earlier too Mountcastle's I think going to be right up there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I, my get my I'm gonna say Ryan Mountcastle. No, I I, I, I I thought about him like a lot. I thought like I'm gonna think him. I I guarantee you the the three that are gonna the three that are gonna be up there are going to be Mountcastle, Madrigal, and Bobby Dalback. Like, solely because they are the only three right now that are almost starting every day. Mm-hmm. And then they the have, like, I'm looking on this down Vegas Insider. It says Rosarena is technically eligible. Which yeah, I don't he, really, is. he is. I don't think – no, I don't think he's going to. Um, NL, oh, my gosh. It, it is so stacked. Does Blom like, I'm looking qualify? At this, I'm, look, I'm looking at this Vegas odds no, thing. No, Blom doesn't like, let, qualify. No, Bum does not qualify. But like, if you look, I'm gonna go down this list of like eligible people. Uh-huh. Key Brian Hayes, Sixto Sanchez, who I know is hurt. Carlson, Ian Anderson, Nick Lodolo. I don't know if he's up. Christian Pat, uh, Pache. Uh, is Joey Bart back up? Not yet. Um, I know like O'Neill Cruz isn't up. Spencer Howard's not up. But like the top four is like, oh my gosh. I'm gonna say Carlson solely because I've brought Key Brian Hayes is injured right now, right? Yeah, he's out. I'm picking Key Brian though, dude. He's he's already the best player on the Pirates. Very true. Doesn't so, say much, but very true. Yeah, it doesn't say much, but like I'm I'm gonna go with him because I think when he comes back, we saw it on opening day. His first at bat, he went yard. The dude, the dude, he's on my fantasy team. Yeah, me too. He's on my fantasy team. It's awesome. Dude's filthy. No, 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 no. Like to the expense. Like I had. Oh, 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 and he gave up the homer, so like I'm not happy about that. <laughs> uh, Cy Young, NL. It's Degrom. Like I don't even. I'm not even gonna go anywhere else but Degrom. Yeah. Thank. Thank you. Next. I. I mean, like the dudes. Yep. Like for like, did you know? I think I saw like over the past like. 
like maybe it's I don't know if it's his career or just like the past like X amount of seasons. The Mets blow, bull, bullpen has blown 31, 31 wins, mm-hmm. 31 wins. So like, hold on, I got to look at like. he No, he literally would have over 100 career wins already if they didn't blow those leads. So his career record would be, would literally be 100 or 101 and 51. He would literally have like a 67% winning percentage. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's, that upsets me. Um, yeah, I'll pick the Grom, obviously. Yeah. AL wise, oof. Um, I'm going to go Giolito. Mm. I'm kind of going to ride that White Sox train. I'm going to pick Giolito. Man, um, this is interesting. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Tyler Glass now. I'm going to say kind of a, 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 I guess if you want to call it dark horse, um, obviously pitched very well in the postseason last year. Um, I know I said earlier that like it could impact like because they play the analytics, but like, I mean, there's only so much you can do to hold somebody like that back. If he's playing as if he's pitching at the top of his game. And I mean, against the Red Sox, I think he pitched seven, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, I think he will still be in that conversation. I think his numbers are going to be very good. So. Um, that is going to be who I will pick. And then MVP. Ooh. Like, I feel like Trout is just like the most obvious answer in the AL. I don't know if you Plus want to he's go mashing the ball to start. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's other, he's otherworldly dude. Like it's not even close. Yeah. I don't even know how many homers he has so far, but, um, uh, uh, do I pick him? Do I pick him? Um, I'm going to pick him. I feel like I have to. I'm picking him. It's a cop-out, but, like, who else are you going to throw in there? That's what I'm saying. Like, who else do I pick in the AL? Like, you could pick JD right now if you wanted, but, like. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're going to do that, you could pick, like, Alex Bregman has been hitting the ball ball very well. Like, there's a lot that you could pick based on this first week. But, no, I mean, Trout is just, like, dude is so consistent. Yeah. I'll take Trout for the AL. NL. Oof, and I'll, I'm not gonna pick Mookie, man. I love Mookie, but no, 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 I'm not gonna pick him. I think I'm gonna go with. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Acuna. It's kind of like that time. I mean, Freeman won last year. They might as well just switch it over to him now. I'm gonna say Juan Soto. Yeah, he was like right in the side of my brain too. Yeah, I was thinking you you may have taken because I know I know you do you do have a, a love for him as well. But no, I'm I'm gonna take him, dude. I mean, the dude is the best in baseball right now, getting on base. So like, you add in a, a 162, like the dude literally had a 490 on base percentage last year. Like that, he almost got on base one out of every two at bats. Like, add in the power that he's got over a 162 slate. Dude, I mean, the dude won a batting title last year, and we know he can hit 40 homers in a year. Yeah. Nah, yeah, he's – I think he'll be a finalist for sure. If I had to, like, bet on – I would say Mookie, Soto, and Acuna are, like, the probably the three guys who end up being the finalists in the NL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And then, yeah, as we said, like, Trout is just otherworldly. Like, there's – I don't – anyone's going to compare to that. 
like this is just like just absurd like i don't even know what he's i know yesterday he literally hit an elementary school when they played the blue jays like come on he's hitting he's hitting four he's hitting 411 right now ops of 1438 three homers six rbis seven runs in seven games he's got eight walks and nine strikeouts absurd 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 yeah, I mean, he's, I don't even know. It's not even like a debate anymore. He's no. just way too good for everything. I, I, but, like, look, I'm hoping that he gets in the playoffs. I want to see it. The world wants to see it. Him, Shohei, Rendon. Like, people even forget that they have Rendon now. True. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing. Like, the last time he was there was 2015. Like, we're on, like, six years since that happened, and it was a sweep. Like, Mm-hmm. He, he didn't really get to showcase a whole lot. Like, give get me get him to like you know, obviously as we both have him as wild as wild cards. Like we like to see a little bit more out of the Angels. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'd love to see him in the playoffs. I think it'd be great just for the sport as a whole. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that'll wrap up that'll wrap it for us. I mean, that's our MLB preview. We got Braves, Dodgers winning respectfully. I got the White Sox in. You got the Twins, or no, you got the Astros. So. It's like it's it's nice to see like different teams, dude. Especially in like the in like the AL, like you said, like you have the Twins in the championship series. I got the White Sox and the Yankees. Like, yeah, the Yankees are the Yankees, but we still haven't even like seen them like succeed in the playoffs like recently. So it's kind of cool. And like, dude, the game the game's in a great place. Like all the stars are young or youngish. Like, there's so much there's so much going on, and then. Like, kind of going back to what we talked about at the start, March Madness was just freaking electric. Like, there, was, there wasn't there was a time where you weren't on the couch watching a game. And, like, I kind of liked the games being on, like, the Mondays, dude. I didn't think they were terrible. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously everybody wants, like, March Madness, like, to start, oh, as soon as possible. But, like, I really didn't mind the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I, I didn't because, like, you come in after what would what is usually like a hangover from March Madness, and then it's like, oh, Monday? No, like while you're at work, we got noon games today. Like mm-hmm. tune in. It's like all right, like it's it's a little bit of like a jolt to like your Monday, which like would usually be so dull and boring. Where like now it's like, oh, I got four games to look forward to today. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, but we'll we'll be back next week. A little more MLB talk, of course, as the season goes on. We'll probably look at some. NFL mock drafts. We're not going to create our own mock draft yet. That'll come a couple of days before the draft actually happens, but we'll look at it as that gets closer and closer. Um, and we'll probably talk more about the transfer portal as that continues to just spiral. And we'll talk about the NBA. We haven't talked about that in a bit, but we're getting closer to playoff time there. Dan, glad you're back healthy. You know, a little shot and you never hurt you. You'll be good as new in a couple of weeks back at it yes sir